0: Uh, let, let me tell you, I have a real sense tonight of God doing some incredible things among us. I mean, I have a real sense of that in my spirit. Uh, I remember, I was I wanted to be sure I had it right, uh, a few years ago, there was a guy who used to come through our area by the name of Jerry Clower. He he was from Yazoo, Mississippi. And uh, I had a, we had a dear friend named Chester Watkins who's still living was a twin brother, it looked like. I mean, you would have thought they were twins. And I remember Jerry Clower telling the story of, I think he went to, to the University of Mississippi, I think. Could have been Old Miss, but University of Mississippi, and they was playing Alabama. This is what Jerry said, and said, Alabama had one of them running backs. I mean, he was fast as lightning. And uh, I don't know exactly what position Jerry played, but he was on the team. And I remember telling the story. And he said they handed that ball off to that running back from Alabama. And around the corner he went. And he said, I took off and I tore into him. And he said, I had him. And I was sure he was coming down. And all of a sudden, he said, that running back went to twisting and turning and squirted out of my hands. And the next thing I heard was the roaring of the crowd when he went into the finish line. So I want to say something to you tonight. I believe that's a picture Of some people here tonight. You've been squirming and trying and struggling. Things have been a hold on you, but you're going to squirt out of that, and the next thing you're going to hear is the roar in the end zone. Praise God. So, anyway, take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh,. Help me, Holy Ghost. Father, thank you for these awesome people that are before me uh, tonight. I I thank you for each one of them. I thank you that each one of them has a divine purpose and destiny. I thank you, Lord, they have a calling on their life. I thank you there's not one that's not important to your kingdom. There's not one that you would not die for if that were the only one. So, Lord, I pray tonight what we've been struggling with, things that have been capturing us and holding us down. But tonight, we're going to squirt loose of that, and we taken taking off to the end zone, in Jesus' name. Thank you for grace, bigger than anything that can happen to me. Grace is bigger than. We thank you for that awesomeness, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me tell you what I want to talk about, and I kind of want to jump off. From a verse in Ephesians 1, and we'll spend some more time in other scriptures, but I want to talk to you about the power of forgiveness. There is an incredible power in forgiveness. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, and I will labor this for a moment, in verse 7, chapter 1, Paul said, In him, we have redemption through his blood. Now let me stop there. In him is what happened when you got saved, you were put in him. Now, I mean, if you know, it's important when we read the scriptures as we read the scriptures and let them speak for themselves. Paul didn't say in him we might get or you know, we hope we have. He emphatically said in him present tense. We have right now in Him redemption. Not going to. And we have it because of His shed blood or through His blood. And what we have is the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Now that means that through the blood of the Lamb of God, through His own life, and the reason the shedding of the blood is because... The life, Our life is in the blood, and Jesus had an unpolluted blood so he could die for us, as the song was so beautiful, in our place, and as us, unpolluted. There was nothing about him wrong, and so he died for us so that he could rise again and give us what He purchased in His death by the resurrection, and impart that by His Spirit and Word. That's redemption. How many of you know, as I said last night, God, through Christ, has bought the farm back? Hallelujah. The farm don't belong to the devil anymore. The only Listen to me. The only thing the devil has is a lie. He don't have truth. He has a lie. Now listen carefully. And a lie has no power until you believe it. Once you believe a lie, you've empowered that lie. As did Eve in the beginning. But Hamid, if you know, listen carefully. The lie comes to you without power, but wrapped in deception. But the truth of God's Word comes already empowered. You don't have to believe it, bless God, to empower it. You believe it. TO RELEASE IT IN YOU SO YOU CAN EXPERIENCE THE POWER IT ALREADY HAS, HALLELUJAH! BECAUSE WHEN YOU AGREE WITH IT, YOU ENTER INTO IT OF WHAT IT ALREADY HAD BEFORE YOU EVER BELIEVED IT. And you know, you don't have to believe in God for God to be God. You don't have to believe in the Bible to be true, for it's being true. So, therefore, the Scripture says we have redemption tonight, every believer here, through the blood of Jesus, what we have is the forgiveness of sins. Now let me, let me try to, uh, just kind of off the top of my head, define the word forgiveness. It means to put something away. Now listen, once you have been forgiven, now listen carefully, once you have been forgiven, that sin that has been forgiven has lost its power over you. Now, listen to me, it hasn't lost its presence. Jesus delivered us from the power of the devil, but not the presence of the devil. The devil's going to be around until Jesus deals with him at the end. But that doesn't mean he has authority over you. But when you have been forgiven, then that sin that's been forgiven to you has lost its power over you. Praise God. It's actually, when you experience forgiveness, you step into the supernatural. Hallelujah. So... When, when, I, when I look at this and think about this, I, I, I want to deal with forgiveness tonight in three dimensions, because it is. You cannot have it without... It's not a one-dimensional thing. Forgiveness is three-dimensional, and I will talk about it, and I'll tell you what they are. First of all, forgiveness uh, from God is upward. That's eternal, okay? You have upward forgiveness, you have outward forgiveness to other people, and you have inward forgiveness to yourself. So forgiveness, according to God, is three-dimensional. So let me talk about the first one. Upward to God. Jesus, as I've already stated, became our substitute that we could have his life. Now, let, let me do a little Old Testament, New Testament kind of comparison. I, I love the word because the word testifies to the Word. In the 16th chapter of Leviticus, uh, Moses lays out what happened on the Day of Atonement, or what happened when the Lamb was to be slain. There was a, the slaying of the Lamb, the slaying uh, of an animal, and the blood was sprinkled of the mercy. See, there was the application of the blood. That was one part of what happened. The other part is that the high priest would lay hands on a goat, a scapegoat, and transfer—listen, transfer—the sins of Israel through that priest to that goat, and then the appointed person would take the scapegoat into the wilderness and release it, and no one was allowed to go there where it was. That's the twofold thing. You got to see it because it's a picture of what's coming down the pike. First of all, I am forgiven through the blood. We just read that. And then, I love it, and and then the transfer to an animal, a scapegoat it was called, taken into that wilderness by the assigned person, and no one was allowed to go in the wilderness and check out and see where the goat was. Never to be known about again, okay? Now, the interesting thing is that God said this, I will forgive your sin. Now, listen carefully. And put them as far as the east is from the west. I don't know where east is. Where's east from here? This way. This way? Somebody's going this way. No, this. Okay. How many of you know that uh, east, west, I guess that's north then, right? If I go north, if God put my sins as far as the north is from the south, how many of you know if I go north, I'm going to run into south eventually? But if I go east, I never run into west. That means when God forgives you, he puts his sins as far as the east is from the west, you'll never run into it again because God erased it from his memory to remember it no more, and it's just as if you never committed that sin. That's forgiveness. That's an upward forgiveness. Now, on the cross, listen to On the cross, in Matthew, if you're taking notes, In Matthew 27, 46, while he's hanging on the cross, this is what Jesus, everybody knows he's hanging there as our substitute. Nobody doubts that, okay? He is the Messiah, the sent one from God to redeem us, okay? While he's on the cross, there was a time when the Father turned his head away from his own son, and Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was happening at that point is that Jesus was becoming the scapegoat of Leviticus 16. He not only is shedding his blood, he now is becoming the scapegoat to take my sin and put it as far as the east is from the west. Now, when you confess your sin, that doesn't mean your emotions agree. That doesn't mean that your thoughts agree. That, don't, that may not mean anybody else agrees. But God agreed with you, and go ahead and agree with God, and that'll settle the issue. Now, that's the upward uh, forgiveness of a God through Christ that can and desires to forgive every one of us. Now, um, you, you have to to become a child of God. You would know this. You've got to get, you know, there is a forgiveness. There's a repentance and a coming to the Lord, there's the forgiveness from God through His own Son. There's no way to get to Jesus, I mean to Father, except through Jesus. I said that the other night when I was talking about the Jews. We're living in a culture now that's coming up with substitutes. Now there's always been an element of it, but it's becoming predominant. And I don't mean this ugly, but I do mean it emphatically. And we need to say it from the Christian pulpit, with great love, what great passion and understanding. God loves the Muslim people. But they're not going to heaven in what they believe. The God they say they believe in is not the God of the Bible. Allah never had a son. And all of these other isms and religions... Say they're all, you know, they're working their way to get to a place so one, somewhere this afterlife can be earned or they can enter into it eventually. We must get back, and this is not a popular thing. We must get back in the Christian church, and I don't mean the denomination, I mean we as Christians, at preaching Jesus. Is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved but by the name of Jesus. Don't move off that, no matter what it costs you. Now, my question is vertically, upwardly toward God, how can I tonight receive God's forgiveness? Let me let me suggest some simple little Steps that you can write in your heart and not forget. First of all, all repentance and asking of forgiveness begins with conviction. How many of you know tonight that you you cannot repent over what you're not convicted of? And and I'll tell you, at lunch today, some dear folks that are sitting right close to me here in front of me, I brought out a ice cream cake and I... Ate part of it and I want to tell you I mean I I've been off sweets for a couple of months uh, but I and I and I enjoyed every bite of it but let me tell you right now when I finished it it would have been hard for me to repent over doing it you know why I loved every bite of it <laughs> do you understand you can't repent over what you love and it's like Derek Prince used to say God will never deliver you from your friends if you want them, you can have them. Somebody said, "You think a Christian can have a demon?" My my answer is, he can have whatever he wants. If he wants one, invite it in; it'll come. It won't possess you, but it, it, it sure will torment you. So the good thing is, it all begins by conviction. And conviction, listen to me, is not something you conjure up. There's a, there's a difference, um, and I. That's another message in it. We sometimes confuse saving grace with common grace. Common grace is on, the, on planet earth. Everybody on planet earth tonight is experiencing common grace. And I've had too many people go, I say, are you a Christian? I, God's been with me. I wouldn't have made it without God. You know, that's the truth, but I don't mean you saved. See, common grace is what God has given to the whole earth. Or He'd kill every one of us. I mean, because of our ungodliness. Then saving grace is when I partake under conviction of that forgiveness that I can have from God through his son into my life that takes my sin and washes it away and introduces me to a word called regeneration or justification, and he goes on from there. So it begins with conviction. And then, uh, according to Paul, in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10, I, I, I will labor this a little more. If Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, you had gone to wherever your local jail is, I'll bet you there's some old boys that got caught drunk the night before. And you could go in there and talk to them, and they feel awful about getting drunk. You know why? They got caught. <laughs> but if you go back next Sunday, they'll be back there again. Now, that's what they call worldly sorrow that produces no repentance. Repentance, and it's right here, you, you put it on the wall. Repentance comes by a godly conviction or a godly sorrow. Sorrow is conviction. I mean, you know, like, hey, you know God, I used to say, like, the hound of heaven will get on your trail and go to bed with you at night. No matter where you go, that conviction won't leave you because God loves me too much to leave me the way I am so it starts with conviction and then it goes to confession it goes to agreeing because in in, in Romans 10 9 and all of these you know Paul said in Romans 10 9 if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the word confess or confession is the Greek word homologia which means to put yourself in agreement first of all I'm in agreement that I need the Lord Now I'm in agreement that He is the way and the only way, and I receive that. That's my confession. I believe that Jesus is now my Savior, and I agree with Him. When I lead somebody to the Lord, I get them to tell somebody. I don't let them leave the order until they tell somebody. I'll say, what happened to you? I've had them say, "Uh, I feel better. Well, Ham, you know, that's good. You could take a bath and feel better. Isn't that Right? So I said, well, wait a minute, and you know what I do? I just back up and punt, and I go through the whole process again. Until I ask, so what's happened to you? And they say, Jesus lives in my heart, and I've been forgiven. I go, wow. Well, turn to John and tell John what just happened to you. For I believe in my heart, and I agree with God with my mouth. When I got saved, Jen and I got saved at that little Methodist church that Sunday morning. Well, you know, of course, I, you don't get saved but once. And, but I got saved that morning, and, and we went to see my mom and dad, which we did about every Sunday, had lunch with them. And so all afternoon, mom and dad always, they were, had people in and out of their house, and they always had to eat when he was there and all that stuff. Anyway, dad gave my testimony all evening. My boy got saved this morning. I just sat there. And, I, and you know, I mean, my dad go, well, I got saved. Dad was so happy I got saved. Mama was too. But uh, So we came back to church that night, and so we filled up a pew, and the preacher gets up. and It's customary around you. When you get saved, you stand up and tell it. Doc, what happened to you? I was scared spitless. I was scared that I stood up, and I said, This morning, Jesus forgave me, and I got saved, and I sat down. When my behind hit that pew, doubt left me, and never has it returned. Now, what happened was my mouth and my heart got in agreement with God and confirmed it with peace. Now, June, the devil beat June up for a while uh, about it, and we were actually, uh, the devil had an inroad to her. Uh, she's much smarter than I am. I used to tell God, God, why you call her to preach it to me? She's smarter than I am. But anyway, she's just smart enough to keep me straightened out. But anyway... So she was struggling with that. I mean, let me you know the devil is a liar. And let me tell you, if the devil's telling you you're not saved, can I tell you, he can't tell the truth? It's like if you come forward for healing, the devil go, you ain't healed. Well, let you know if he can't tell the truth, he's lying. And if he's lying, that means you are. I mean, I just turn it on the devil. I go, well, you say I'm not. Well, praise God, I know I am because you can't tell the truth. And that morning, she had gone off to a little morning revival at a near community, and we were living in the parsonage at a certain place. And I still remember sitting in the chair, and I watched her get out of the car. And she walks in the parsonage like this. She didn't say a word. She she walked in, and when she stepped inside the door, she looked at me, and she said, I know. (laughs) I said, you know what? She said, I know I'm saved. (laughs) I said, how, how do you know, she said, these things are written that you may know that you've been born again. i tell you, because see, when her mouth and her heart finally got together, though I think she was saved before, obviously, but her, the peace flooded her being, and it's been that way ever since. What I'm saying, is it starts with conviction, and then it moves to confession, and then it moves to faith. You're not saved because you feel saved. Come on now, you know. I remember one brother said, you know, he was preaching this revival, and every service near to this woman came down to get saved, and she, they prayed, and well, you know, you pray and squall and carry on, and nothing wrong with that, but she'd get up, and next night she'd come back. I want to get saved. I just don't feel saved. One night, I think that he, he looked up in her hair, and she had a big hairpin. And he took that pin out, and he said, "Ma'am, if you're looking for feeling, I'm about to give you some." <laughs> Have you know, now listen to me, have you feelings is the caboose, it's not the engine that pulls the train. For by grace are you saved through faith, not feelings. Feelings connect to your faith, and when your feelings change, and thank God for feelings, but they're they're wonderful to have, but don't rule your life, let them bless your life. So you're not saved because, you know, I feel saved, you're saved because faith has been exercised. And God Almighty, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven you. Hallelujah. All right. Second thing I want to talk about, and I would... If you, are, if you know what I'm talking about and are enjoying the forgiveness of the Lord and know it, can I have, have an amen? amen? Sounds good. Second thing is now that I am forgiven personally, vertically Uh, to the Lord, and God in Christ has forgiven me, and continues. I don't know, since I got saved, I've messed up a few times like everybody else, and if there's anybody here that never has, would you please come and take this message and finish it? Because, we listen, I don't have to sin, but if I do, I have an advocate with the Father. Okay, So let's talk about how do we forgive other folks? Because I don't know if you know anybody that's hard to forgive, but if you don't, I could give you some phone numbers and you can call them. (laughs) Don't look too sanctified. You know a lot of people that way. So let's talk about how we are to forgive others. Now, we're in Ephesians, so while you're in Ephesians, just turn over to 4, chapter 4 of Ephesians. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. Would you look at verse 30 with me? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, now listen. I, I know this sounds a little tough, but let's get tough with it. Unforgiveness horizontally grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't care who it is. If it's me, I don't care. Unforgiveness horizontally, because vertically I've been forgiven. Now forgiveness lives in me. Now I live in a world that needs to exercise forgiveness. Now, let let me tell you what forgiving someone is not. Let me let me tell you, We have a hard time forgiving folks because dead gum. They don't for, they don't deserve it. I mean, you know. Have you? I, I, I'll be honest with you. There's been times that I would I'd want to. I like what Kenneth Copeland said one time. He hadn't been saved long, and he's he was having some trouble with a brother across town, and he called him up. And he said, "I just want you to know, I'm coming over and whip you." And that guy said, "You ain't coming over here and whip me? I, you're a Christian." He said, "I know I am, and as soon as I whip, 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 finish whipping you, God's going to forgive me." So, Ham, you know you can't do that no more. So let me tell you, let me tell you what forgiveness is not, so you can get past the emotion and the mental part of this and activate it in your life to be free. Here's the first one. It's not agreeing with the wrong that needs to be forgiven. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean If a, if a thief broke into my house and stole something or whatever, and I, I choose to forgive that thief, he's now in jail. doesn't mean I agree with his breaking in. I just agree with God that I've been forgiven, and because I am, I'm going to forgive him. I don't agree with his wrong. I just forgive him. The second thing, it's more than a feeling. Forgiveness is more, feel, uh, it's more than a feeling. It is a choice. You, you can't forgive by your feelings. Well, I want you to know, preacher, <clears throat> I'll forgive him, but I'm not forgetting it. Have you ever heard that one? I've said it a few times. I'll forgive him, but I'm not going to forget it. You didn't forgive him either. <laughs> because our emotions are so involved, then forgiving somebody is so connected, it has to move to the third one. First one, it's not agreeing with the wrong. Second one, it's, it's more than a feeling. And the third one, it's a command and a faith act. Well, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures, and we're going to talk about them. One of them you don't even need to turn there. You know it. You know the Lord's Prayers. we call it. Teach us to pray, Lord, like you pray. And then the 12th verse of that 6th chapter of Matthew, this is what Jesus said. And forgive others as you have been forgiven. Okay? I forgive you because I've been forgiven. Do you think for one minute God deserved me to sin against him? But he forgave me anyway. And because I've been forgiven, I now have a command from the Lord, forgive others as you have been forgiven. Now, if you have your Bible, I'm going to labor this one again. I keep using that. In the 18th chapter of Matthew. So go over there with me. You would know it well, most of you. But I want to look at it with you because I think there's a message in it for us. Because, and, and it's not necessarily here. I'm, I'm telling you, the body of Christ is so divided. I mean, you got this one, don't talk to this one, because this one don't believe in this one. People go, well, he believes in the rapture, but he don't believe in it. Well, how many of you know, we fellowship around Jesus, not our non-essentials. I can fellowship with anybody that's in love with Jesus without the, you don't have to believe in the rapture to go to heaven. But when it takes place, I'm just going to say, I told you. <laughs> but anyway, how I many of you know? And, and so the, the, what would the devil love to do Would divide and conquer? I don't know about you husbands, but I, this is a confession. If, I, if I, in our house and our marriage, I think it's better than it's ever been in 58 years we've been married. But you know, if we ever get crossways with each other, you ever try to pray when you're mad with your wife? Lord, and it's like it hits you right in the top of the head. Lord, not a word, till you go in there and apologize to her and say, honey, forgive me, I was wrong. Now, now I, I can tell you, uh, you go, well, I don't know about that preacher. Well, try and see how it works. Try praying when you're mad at your wife. I mean, <laughs> just see how far you get. I've tried it. It don't work. You might as well straighten it out. I might as well go to you and go, I was wrong. I am totally wrong. I'm sorry. And, and you know, when you do that, it's almost like God says, now we can talk. Isn't that right? So, so when you look at the 18th chapter, as you would know, of, John, I mean of Matthew, when I look at it and I start in verse 21 and this whole scenario that Jesus gives to the end of the chapter, it blows my mind because let let me look at a little of it with you and then we'll dig into it just a little because it's about forgiveness horizontally. Peter, verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I can just see Peter go, seven times? I can just, I can just, Peter go, seven times? I mean, can't you just, seven times? But Jesus said to Peter, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, are are we counting? I mean, you know, this is 77 and I'm packing, you know. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, if you learn to forgive 77 times, it'll be a way of life. You won't count it. You'll just do it. Okay? and so they get into this into this parabolic thing here where, where Jesus says, uh, therefore in verse 23 the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king he said it's like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants notice that they are servants of the king interesting and when he had begun to settle the accounts one was brought to him and and said that he owed him ten thousand talents i'll get back to that in a minute but the guy was unable to pay and his master commanded that he uh, that he be sold and uh, with his wife and children and and that payment be made verse 26 the servant said fell down and said lord i can't uh, master i cannot pay you have patience with me and i will then the master of that servant was moved with compassion released him and forgave the debt that's a do you, know, do you realize that 10,000 talents was millions of dollars? I mean millions. I've checked. I've studied this. Millions of dollars. Uh, and so he said, I, I, I forgive you. Verse 28. But that servant went out, the one that was forgiven, millions of dollars of debt. That servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, (laughs) I can see, I can can just see that dude, that redneck man, I mean, you're going to pay me, I'm going to whoop you, you know. He said, and he took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, "Uh, have patience with me, and, and I'll pay you all. Then he would not, but went out and threw him in prison, till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Now look at the scenario again. Here is the king representing the Lord, and here is the guy that owed millions of dollars to the king that can't pay. And he he says, I can't pay you, but if you'll have patience, I will eventually pay you. And And the king had compassion on him and forgave him. And you know, that's you that's me. And then that same servant goes back and he's got a guy working out splitting wood in the backyard and, and this guy owes him some denarii. And he said, pay me what you owe me. He said, I, I, I don't have the ability to pay you but if you'll give me some patience, I, I will pay you eventually. And the guy took him by <laughs> to the throat and began to whoop up on him and said, I want you to pay me and pay me now. Well, that's the whole scenario. That's the point here. Now, let me, let me give you the impact of what was being said here. I wrote some things down. A denarii, you know how much a denarii was? A denarii was one day's pay. Basically, a common laborer would work one day for an, a denarii. Okay? Now, the other, the, the 10,000 uh, talents here, was is already stated, millions of dollars. And the other guy... Uh, every day worked and made a denarii, okay? In other words, in a year's time, he would earn about 300 denarii taken out the Sabbath days. In 20 years, he would earn 6,000 denarii. This would, this would pay back one talent. Do you know how long it would take that guy to pay what he owed? 200,000 years. There was no way he could pay. He lost hope. This guy that owed all this money lost hope. There's no way. And then and then the forgiveness part is turned on him to this guy that owes him a day's wage. And he won't forgive him. Now, this gets a little hairy, so hang on. In verse 32, this is what the king said: who represents the Lord. In verse 32, Then his master, after he had called him and said to him, You wicked servant. First of all, let me, let me say this. <clears throat> Unforgiveness has a root of wickedness. You wicked servant. It's not talking about out here in the world. These servants belong to the king. The second thing is in verse 34 unforgiveness angers the heart of God, even though he's loving and kind and full of mercy. Because he said in verse 34, the master was angry at the unforgiveness of the man that would not forgive. And the third thing is in verse 34, what happened is the guy that would not forgive, listen to me carefully, was turned over to the tormentors. Unforgiveness will torment you, like it or not. Let me tell you what unforgiveness is like. Drinking poison, hoping somebody else will die. That's unforgiveness. I'm drinking poison, hope my neighbor will die. Unforgiveness. I've talked to doctors about this, and we may have some doctors here, I don't know. And they say there's a large percent of people in that hospital... That's there because of unforgiveness. Churches are packed full of people carrying unforgiveness. God's wanting to move, but He cannot move because they won't deal with unforgiveness. And I'm not saying that's you. Uh, this is between you and the Lord and me and the Lord. So. But He turned him over to the tormentors. I read a story about a guy that had been bitten by a dog and um, took him to the doctor and come to find out the dog was rabid. And the doctor said to the man who had been bitten by the rabid dog, you, you don't have very long to live. And the man said, can I have a piece of paper and a pencil? He said, sure. He sits down starts writing. And the doctor said, sir, you, you've got longer to live than that. You don't have to write your will now. He said, I'm not writing my will. I'm making a list of who I'm going to bite before I die. Let me know that old boy had some unforgiveness in his heart, didn't he? <laughs> so, not to forgive. Now, let me go over it again. It is not agreeing with the wrong. Please. It's more than a feeling. It's a command, a faith act. As you have been forgiven, there is grace to forgive. Sometimes... Sometimes you've got to say to, I'd say, John Doe, John Doe has hurt my, he hurt my feelings. I choose to forgive him, but I don't feel like it. But I may, I may have said it 25 times a day, I choose to forgive John. I choose to forgive John until my feelings begin, come in line with my faith. Now, I have another question. How do you know when you've forgiven somebody? Well, I have three statements to go under that question. First of all, after you've forgiven, can you truly pray for them? Not pray that God will kill him. <laughs> One fellow said, "I'm going to pray God kill him. I'm going to pray that God will kill him, and then when I find him, I'm going to tell God I found him dead." You can't pray that way. When you can pray for Him, number two, if you can truly bless that person. If you can do it. I, I pray God that you will, you will bless them. Now that's not easy to do. But if you're going to walk in forgiveness, go ahead and pray for them, number one. Number two, bless them. Lord, I bless them. Let me know Jesus was on the cross. And the people that put him up there is right there looking at him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the third thing is, can you release your revenge to God and not carry it any longer? Revenge is sweet. That's the reason I like Westerns. I like Clint Eastwood because he always gets his man. I like John Wayne. You know, back in the old days, I liked Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. They kissed their horse and rode off in the sunset, you know. But good always overcame. But the whole, the whole movie would build up revenge until you're sitting here like this going, Hit him! Shoot him again! <laughs> because that's the fallen nature of man to want to be revengeful and fight back. So forgiveness is amazing. When you can say I release my revenge into your hands vengeance is mine saith the Lord I heard one fellow say you may get by but you won't get away and you know God don't settle up on Saturday night sometimes when we see people who've done us wrong and they're out there just being prosperous leave it with God leave it alone I was married to, leave it alone. Tonight, before you leave this building, everybody here, not one exception, go ahead and forgive. Go ahead and do it. Well, I don't feel like it. I'll drink a little more poison because eventually it will destroy you. I, I grew up with one of my best friends in when when my teenage days. Went to high school, graduated with him. His, his, his mother was a harlot. I mean, everybody knew in the little town. We, we kind of lived in or around. Everybody knew she was. And they talked not nice of her. And he would hear those words. Now, to us, she was a harlot. To him, it was his mother. Even though the harlotry was true, she was still his mother. Well, he gets saved. My friend gets saved. But he carried that bitterness because of what they had said about his mama. And he said, one day at church, I was under conviction about my unforgiveness. And I went to the altar and I said, Father, I forgive them for what they said about mama. And he said, when I did that, God set me free. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, the churches are packed full of people carrying unforgiveness, and God's trying to get the supernatural. God's trying to get incredible things through us, but it's all downed up in unforgiveness. Go ahead and release it so the river can flow freely. Let me me give you a path. Can I give you uh, a a path that that God gave June and me uh, about four years ago? We've endeavored, and hopefully we hadn't uh, missed it too bad. Uh, The Lord gave us four specific steps to walk in forgiveness. Simple, very simple. This is what the Lord said to us in a time that we needed to be able to walk in forgiveness. Here's the first one. He said, you and June, pray. You just can't get away from praying. Praying is not asking God all the time. I remember for, for I don't know how long it was, a number of years. Uh, you folks have been in Florence. I don't know if you know where Waterloo is. It's kind of down the river there in no man's land almost. But anyway, a friend of ours in the church had a house down there he wasn't using. And he just gave me a key to the house. And every Thursday morning, I'd go down and pray all day Thursday. So this particular Thursday, I'd, it was about, about lunchtime, though I usually fasted that day. So I'd, I'd, by lunchtime, I would told God everything I knew. You all know what I'm talking about? I'd confessed everything I knew to confess. I was hoping I could think of something else to confess, and I couldn't think of anything. I'd prayed for everybody I knew how to pray for. I'd done, I'd, I, and I wore out. And I just got out of the house, and I'm walking around down near the water. And I said, Lord, I've told you everything I know. And i prayed everything I know to pray. And as clear as I hear my voice, I heard this voice said, Son, you don't know how to talk all the time. <laughs> you all ever know how we inform God? I find myself informing God all the time. God, I've got a headache. God said, really? I didn't know you had a headache. I'm glad you told me. Lord, I'm at Hosanna, and I... Really, is that where you are? I thought you was down at the service station. You know, it's amazing how we inform God because we think God thinks like us when God don't necessarily think like us. You don't tell God where you are. He knows where you are. So, preacher, why do we confess our sin? Well, it's not to inform Him. It's to agree with Him. That's what confession of sin is all about. It's not to say, Lord, I've sinned. He said, I know. You know, when I confessed it, he didn't say, I'm glad you told me that's a rough one. No, I confess because I agree that God's right. And there's redemption and forgiveness and cleansing. So the first thing, he he said, pray. Second thing, he said to us, don't, listen to me, don't let anything in your heart that I didn't put there. There's times that, again, Gina and I pastored almost 50 years, and we pastored Christ Chapel there in Florence for 35, and God blessed it, and we were grateful for that. But there were times that I'd get in the car on Sunday morning and drive out of the parking lot, and I'd say, honey, if I went to Christ Chapel, I wouldn't ever come again, because I felt like a colossal failure. And then there were times that when I get to church people you know, did you you ever notice how the devil watch how the devil lies I know this don't happen here in in any y'all, but maybe you know somebody that happened to you (laughs) so you come to church and you walk right by a pastor and he didn't say a word and you're on your way to the car and the devil goes, did he speak to you? no you know, he really don't like you really if he liked you, why didn't he talk to you? I don't know by the time you get the car, you say to your wife, honey, we're leaving this place. Why? I preach you don't like me, and I'm not going back. Now, you know, that sounds far-fetched. It happens all the time. See, when you believe a lie, you empower it. You've given that lie power. Now, so the Lord said, you and June pray. Second of all, don't you let anything in your heart. I didn't put there. Well, God didn't put that conversation. It don't matter if the pastor speaks to me or not. I'm coming back. He's not running me, i praise God. You, you, you know, come on, church. Let's get a grip on this thing. So he, the Lord said, don't you let anything in here that I didn't put there. The third thing he said, watch your words. They'll come back and haunt you. Oh, I've eaten crow a lot of times, hadn't you? Pretty good barbecued. <laughs> because of my words. So let me go over them again. First thing he said to us, you and June pray. Second of all, don't let anything in your heart that I didn't put there, Lord said. Third thing, he said, watch your words. They'll come back and haunt you. And the fourth thing he said, walk in love. And leave the rest to me. Forgiveness. Upward? Outward? And let's quickly deal with this one. Inwardly. It's very difficult to forgive yourself. Forgiving yourself. And I love what Matthew 22. Jesus said when they. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then he said, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's not an ego trip now. But you've messed up. You failed. We don't know how bad you've been. You don't know how bad I've been. But he does and the one who knows me the best loves me the most so you have to learn to forgive yourself so sometimes we we just need to humble ourselves before god and go god i forgive me i messed up i mean i messed. up. i remember one time now this is silly but i mean it, it illustrates my point I found this little car and I wanted it see and you know when you set your heart on wanting it it's hard to hear God say you don't need it (laughs) because it would have been better if I'd have said God do I need it but I wanted it and then I tried to convince God I had to have it y'all y'all know what I'm talking about I mean I need that Lord and and I go to God and go is it all right that I get that thank you Lord And so I bought this little old car, and it was uh, back in those days. Chevrolet used to make a little old car called a Vega. That's the worst Chevrolet that ever came off the line. It was awful. I bought that thing, four-speed in the floor. I bought that thing, and I, I spent as much money on it as I gave for it. And it still wasn't worth driving home. And one of my, my actually it was my youth pastor, he would kind of buy and sell cars. I said, take this car and sell it to somebody and don't ever tell me who you sold it to. <laughs> but I couldn't hear because I was so focused on what I wanted. Had I gone over and said, Lord, do I need that car? Obviously the Lord would have said, son, that's a lemon. Can't you see the juice dripping off of it? But I couldn't see that. (laughs) Because I was blinded by what I wanted, you know. And so we mess up. We all do. We all mess up. And you you need to be able to look in the mirror and go, God, you forgave me. Why can't I forgive me? And you don't have a right not to. Because God forgave you. You don't have a right not to forgive yourself. Now listen to I'm on end right. Sometimes you need to forgive God, not that He sinned. You just thought He did something He wasn't supposed to do. I prayed, Lord, and she died. I don't understand that. Or Lord, I you know I did this and it didn't happen. It's okay. Lord, I'm yours. Come hell, high water, good day, bad day, rainy day, sunny day, still yours. And I don't have to, listen, I don't have to understand it to say this. I will lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge Him. He will direct my path. If you'll get to that place, the devil can't back you in the corner. If you'll get to the place that you walk in forgiveness, and you're willing to trust God no matter what, see if you walk in forgiveness then then Bill does something to me. God he would never do that but I can use him therefore Bill did something awful to me cheated me or whatever and you know what we want to do is that we want to inflate our ego by going to Bill and going, I want you to know I know that you're wrong and you cheated me but I'm gonna forgive you you want to say Shut up and go sit down, you religious spirit, because that's all that is. If you want to forgive Bill, forgive him. And Bill will never know you forgave him. But when you forgive somebody, you free that person and you free yourself. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I can say, Lord, I forgive Bill. I don't know whether he meant to or not, besides the point. I forgive him, and therefore, because he's forgiven, he's free. And I'm free from that. See, that's the power of forgiveness. Does that make sense? I mean, that's where we live, church. Nobody wants to talk about that because if I, if I was preaching a trial sermon, they wouldn't nobody invite me back. i try to preach this one. But you know something? It will send revival. It will send renewal. It will send a move of God into the body of Christ around this nation like you won't believe. That's about all I know. But I'm glad to tell you is I stand before you tonight and I look in your face that you've been forgiven. And I tell you what we're going to do tonight, we're going to do some forgiving. We're not going to ask people to stand up and confess their who they need to forgive. That makes it worse because forgiveness is this way about this way. You, you understand? Uh... I, and in and, and the 50 years that we've pastored, we've had people lie about us, say things about us. Well, whoop de do? I wouldn't want a preacher everybody liked. You know why? The Word of God said, woe unto the man everybody speaks well of. If you walk with God, there's going to be somebody don't like it. I'm just not going to become what they are. I'm going to keep right on walking. Maybe, Harold, you could give us some music, brother, if you don't mind. Let's bow our heads together for a minute. The Spirit of God's about to... You remember that running back? There's some people about to squirt out of that struggle (laughs) and break loose. Wow! Father, in the power and the authority, Of the name of Jesus. We invite the Holy Spirit. To every heart. No one left out. No one. Including myself Lord. Lord I pray for conviction. Where it needs to be concerning. Where I might need to forgive. Lord I, I, I promise by your grace that if you convict me of that I will in my heart and from my heart and by your grace I will forgive them. So welcome Holy Spirit to the house of the redeemed to the Lamb's wife. She will shake herself tonight. Shackles will fall around our feet tonight. And by God's grace, we will leave this place with a light heart and a twinkle in our eye, a skip in our walk. So I welcome you, Spirit of the Living God. Take this message as you see fit bless it and bless God's eternal word Jesus be exalted in the middle of it I thank you for every precious precious one here while every head is bowed and every eyes closed no one's asking questions tonight so that gives you freedom But there's a number of us tonight need to say to God I forgive and you fill in the blank because God wants to set you free and them free. While you hear that music and in the quietness of this moment God is in this house. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's a big big step. Would you say to God tonight, Lord, I choose to forgive. Whomever and whatever it may be, I'm going to ask you to do something by just stand up right where you are. I'm going to wait. Because there's a lot of us here tonight need to say to God, God, I choose to forgive. Just start standing up all over the house. Doesn't mean you don't love God. This is not, it's because you do love God that you're standing that means you don't want to go on the way it is. Stand up right where you are. I choose to forgive tonight. There's some people or situations I need to forgive. Don't want anyone to be left out that might need to submit to this. I going to tell you, this will bring revival and renewal. It will release heaven on earth. Unhindered. Anyone else? Just another second. See, you stand because you love God. That's all. And you're willing to go on with God no matter what. And tonight you're making, and I keep referring, you're making an incredible statement and step toward what I talked about with Jerry Clower. Because tonight you're going to break free. Here's the second step. While the music is playing, Harold's controlling all of this, I'm going to ask every person standing, I'm not asking you to to do anything except this. I want you to come and gather at the front, and I'm I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to pray over you. And God's going to do what you're standing for. So with all of you that are standing, because nobody has to come up and confess something to me, that, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. Just slip out from where you are. If you're physically able to come, come on. If you really want what you stood for, come on. You don't have to kneel. Just come and stand before the Lord. All over the building. Thank you, Father. Just come on. Wait a minute till you all get here. Thank you, Father. Do Do you realize what's happening in the spirit right now? Do Do you real? I mean, do you realize that there are shackles of unforgiveness with all of us that shackle us that they're about to fall off. And it's not it's not something you're gonna do. It's something you choose, and God will do the rest. I mean, you you think about what's happening here. So you can you can you can. Look at me. You don't know, to shut your eyes. You look right at me because I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to pray with our eyes wide open. Is that all right? I want you to pray it after me. Okay? Everybody looking at me that's up here, I want you to, I want you to just pray this after me. Say this with me Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I, choose I choose tonight as a child of God, child of God. to forgive. To forgive. I, believe I believe I have been forgiven. Because I've been forgiven, I choose to forgive. And tonight, I forgive from the depth of my heart. I forgive. You fill in the blank. You say it, either quietly, say it any way you want to say it, but say it to God. Don't just say, I forgive everybody. That ain't going to get it. You've got to get personal and direct tell God right now either you can do it quietly I forgive you just, just tell that Lord I forgive whatever it is you fill in the blank I'm going to give you a minute to make that transaction let's pray again. You look right at me. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, Jesus, thank you you. for grace Grace. to forgive. forgive. Right now, say this with right now, now. I choose to bless. bless. Fill in the blank. Ask God to bless them. You go, I don't feel like it. Feelings don't have a thing in the world to do with it. You can do it quietly. You can do it verbally. You can shout it if you want to. But ask God, God, would you bless? Fill in the blank. See, that's a good sign. You're going down in the right direction. I choose to forgive. Bless them. Right now, go ahead and do it. I mean, you know, it's an incredible thing this this lightheartedness you begin to experience and you can't explain it and you're not doing anything except obeying god and you're releasing forgiveness and god's bringing into you the freedom that forgiveness brings it puts it from you don't have a hold on you anymore i found out one of the good ways is when you leave here, look, ask God for opportunities to do something good for the person you've forgiven or the persons you've forgiven tonight. Ask God, God, give me an opportunity to do something wonderful that person. And they may say, well, what are you doing that for? It not matter what they say. It's a fruit of what happened at the altar at Hosanna tonight. <laughs> and revival and renewal, listen to me, as you forgave, began to break loose in your heart. I'm telling you, tonight, revival and renewal in every heart here began to break loose because forgiveness, forgiveness is released and unforgiveness is unclogging the river. Amen? So put your hands out like that. Out like, not up, but out. Pray this night to me Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. How, good how good it is to be forgiven, to be forgiven. How, good how, good how good it is to forgive. From tonight, on, From tonight on, by God's grace, by God. I, will I will be a forgiver. A forgiver. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name amen. amen. Put your hands together and give God a God bless you. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah. Wow.